This is Kevin Evans with Crossroads Assembly of God Church's chapter by chapter life class, and we are currently in the uh, Gospel of John. And last week we covered the first half of chapter four, in which Christ speaks to a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. And uh, we uh, kind of covered his interaction with the uh, Samaritan woman last week. Uh, just as a recap, he has uh, been preaching in Judea and he's moving up to Galilee. And the only way to get there is to walk through the Sumerian region, which is an ethnic group of people that have a kind of, a, uh, some would say, heretical view of Judaism, and they don't go to the temple, and they meet in uh, their own area, and the Jews, as a rule, see them as unclean. And so as they stopped at noon, and the disciples have gone into town to buy lunch, uh, he sat by the well and encountered a Samaritan woman and spoke to her, breaking all kinds of cultural uh, mores and uh, preached to her about um, uh, being the Messiah and she has been convinced and at that the disciples come back with um, lunch and weirdly I keep picturing this as a sonic number one with mayonnaise I don't know that just works for me I think that's what Jesus would order if he went to sonic never mind uh, so, well, maybe Paul. Anyway, do you? Okay, okay, fair enough. Uh, 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 so he speaks to her, and we finished on verse twenty-six, and uh, the, the, it, but we're only about halfway through this encounter because John spends a lot of time explaining this this reach out to the Samaritans and uh, things that Christ said to his disciples afterward and, um, and and they ended up staying in Samaria for two days and so this was kind of a big deal and John was there as a witness based upon the number of details that he gives us in the story so this is this is kind of a thing so verse 27 John chapter 4 just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, there's a detail that most people would not add in. This right. is a witness that's what, that watched it. The woman went back to town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did, which had to be a bit of an exaggeration. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. My Bible says that she only went and talked to the man. Well, your Bible's wrong. <laughs> um, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? And then Jesus dives into this teaching. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more than the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. 
They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad to get glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Um, all right, Bill, I apologize for being short with you. Go okay. ahead and say <laughs> It's okay. So your Bible says that is he only talked to the men? No, she only went back to town and told the men to come see. Because women don't matter, I guess? I don't know. Okay. One thing that's unique here, Peter, Peter never, Peter, it, it, this shows kind of Peter's, uh, kind of his racism, his prejudice. Because even in Acts, when he was sent to Cornelius, he was okay when he realized God said don't call anything common or clean, but then he backtracked again, and him and Paul had to finally have a face-off about it. He always gave in to the Jewish leaders, uh, however they felt. That's how and he, he was just it. a good Jew, so there. <laughs> I just thought that was unique. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Well, you know, we, had, we can't really, uh, it's, it's hard to overcome our cultural background. I mean, it's, it's pretty. It's 2020 hindsight looking back. Yeah. The way was raised. Sure. It's kind of deeply ingrained. I mean, just just like uh, her leaving the water pot. That that meant something. Yeah. So that, that culture. That's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Like they're going to be back. They're not going to walk off and leave that water pot there. Uh huh. And and she had to hurry because that was heavy, and we don't know how far away the well was from town. So she was. She, she, she had to go. Uh, also, I think, I think it's interesting, the disciples came up and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman because that was culturally questionable. Hi. Uh, hey James isn't here, it's just you. Actually, we kind of no? do know how far the well was. Oh, I'm sorry, Kenny, how far was the well? I don't know exactly the mileage, but oh. there is a YouTube channel. Oh, there's a YouTube channel that answers it all? He's an archaeologist, oh so, so, so yeah, okay. I think he knows okay. stuff. Okay. Tell me what it says. Uh, but the, they, they uh, what they uh, built a church where the site of Jacob's well was, and stuff, and then they found the ancient city of the ancient city, the burial sites and stuff. So it's probably, from the looks of the maps, it's probably about what two, three miles. Three miles? Something like that. Maybe, I don't know. Because the city, I'm trying to figure out how about. That is a long way to maybe, haul maybe five gallons of water. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just trying to look at that. No wonder they all stink. Oh Let me goodness. look. Let me look. But you know, the thing is, is that it's funny how long uh, oh, it takes. Maybe, to start maybe a mile. I know they, they say that the women now are finally starting to try to rise up over there because they've gone through oh, all these centuries of where. Women don't matter. I mean, it's right. it's, it's the men. Yeah. I mean, but they say that that is, that they all of a sudden they're trying to change that, and, oh. and it's very dangerous for the women because they're standing up for themselves now, which can get their lives lost, you know, killed. Oh yeah. But they are trying to stand up for themselves now. Yeah. Well, the disciples do not criticize Christ for talking to a woman, although it is kind of culturally questionable. Because he is the boss, and they are the followers, so they're stepping back thinking, okay, you've got a reason for this. And then she immediately leaves, and I'm thinking she's feeling the vibe. 
you know, and uh, for the lack of a better description. And uh, I, I, they, this is a good time to step out of this conversation. Why are you laughing at me? Oh, yeah. I just went to a reunion. I've stepped out of several conversations this last yesterday evening. It caused a religious awakening in Samaria. Well, he did stay for two days, uh, which, which we haven't quite gotten to. But yeah, it, that happens. And uh, she, she, she leaves the, the, the jar, which means she's coming back, and that she's in a hurry, so she's excited about what she's got to say. And, and they listen to her. And again, I, you know, considering that we consider her to be a wanton woman within their culture, I think it's hard for me to believe that they paid that much attention to her. Uh, and, and I think we're interpreting this from silence, Mr. Yek said. Well, okay. I mean, but if she comes, I mean, wanton woman. Yeah, yeah. And they say, man, my life has changed. I think I met this guy. He said, he told me things about myself that, he did, that most people don't know. I think he's the Christ. People might go, well, either she's, maybe it is the Christ, or maybe she's a nut. We want to see, we want to see the circus. Okay. I think they would have said she's a nut and rolled their eyes and gone about their business, but. That's my interpretation. It's your job. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. True, true, true. I'm not without my eccentricities. I agree. Um, the reason she left her water jar is because she was in haste. That's what I just said. That's what I just said that. I'm so glad we agree. Okay, so uh, Peter, having watched all of this, has and is being a little dense, says, uh, so do you want this food or not? He brought lunch, and Christ is going, you, you know, talking about this woman, and, and what's, you know, why is he paying attention to Peter? I know. So, so interpreting, Peter says, "Do you want this Sonic Number One with mayonnaise or not?" And uh, Christ says, "I uh, I have food that you, others do not have, and uh, four months, and then the harvest. Does that mean that this is in the spring, or does that mean actually there's an old parable?" Most commentators say that you can't rush the harvest; that it that it you have to wait until it's ripe. It's not like it's always going to be ripe on the exactly the fifteenth of November, and you have to, that's when you start. You have to watch what's happening and then go from there. And so that's kind of what the four months more than the harvest means, because you you, you be patient. But he's saying, oh, wait a minute, look at the fields; fields are rich, and they're they're going what fields? Because he's not talking about fields. He's, he, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
He's saying watch for that spiritual heart and, and we need to go right out and, and start bringing in the, that harvest. And he's preaching about Samaria, this little town that they're in. We need to reach these people too. They're not, you know, unclean. They're, they're people and they're deserving of, of Christ's grace just like everybody else. And so even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop of eternal life so the sower and the reaper may be glad together. He's talking about Sechar here in, in Samaria. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. So he's already, you know, they, they, they're already ready to go. They, they're, they're looking for answers, and all they have to go do in is, is preach Jesus, and they'll turn. I mean, the, the work's been done, the hard work. At least that's what Christ is saying in this verse. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Does that mean there have been other people preaching to Sechar before this story? I think, I think at least one prophet of old is buried there from what I was reading. Um, Which one? Jacob. Jacob. Well, he's not, you know, a prophet. Uh, uh, father? I, I don't what, what is he called? Anyway. Um, yeah, so he, he's saying reach out to, uh, re reach out to the Samaritans. That's, that's kind of what that verse is. And I think that this whole segment is so that John can get that declaration by Christ in there. What is this? Expedition, oh, archaeology of Jacob's well at Shechem. And there's Shechem. And is that a mile? No, I wasn't sure. Okay. It looks like it's the edge of town. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Fair I'm enough. Sure. There's there's a nice 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 picture of it. It's only three thousand years out of date. You know that. Or huh? two or two thousand years out of date. Okay. Just making sure. Well, that's an archaeological dig. Oh, it's an archaeolo oh, archaeological oh, dig. With a surrounded. Oh, okay. So I'm wrong again. Okay. Okay. I I apologize. Okay. Sorry. I didn't realize it was an archaeological dig. Sometimes, in many scenarios, just like this one, they just they didn't get it. They kind of like us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Sometimes we're hard on the disciples, and we're kind of are we human nature? I mean, flesh, sin. How many times has God said something to me and I didn't listen the first time? I think there were twelve individual disciples all with their own individual weird issues like every other group I've ever been in and agendas and, agendas, and backgrounds and levels of education and all of it and when you see them speaking in the Bible it, they're always speaking as one and it's usually Peter doing the talking which is kind of a tradition from back in the day the oldest in a group was the representative of the group we assume that Peter is the oldest and uh, you know uh, most yeah senior of them, and so he was the mouthpiece for all the disciples to speak to Christ. And so we see all these 
kind of dumb things as we look at it that Peter asked Christ. But I don't, I don't think it was all Peter. No. I think, I think uh, John and Judas the Minor or whoever, all the little people we don't hear about so much. Uh, yeah, they're going, ask him, ask him this. What is he doing? Peter, 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 what, what, what's going on? See, yeah, that's going on. We also look back at the Bible and criticize but they're living in the moment. Then True. Peter. True. We're looking back. We already know the stories. We know how they end. Why didn't they do that? It's nice having that back. Twenty twenty hindsight. Yes. Really yes. Powerful. Yeah. And so you know, with you know, we we know how everything's going to end up. So we're very critical of them. But well, if he's put, a, put ourselves in the same situation. He just. Oh man, I don't need your food. I got. We're going to go. What in the world is he talking about? Yeah, because I think you know, if it seems like he's repetitive with the disciples. Uh, I think it's because, you know, Judas Minor got it the first time, but this guy didn't get it the next time. And, you know, you know we're working with a group here, and they're all speaking as one person. I mean, I'd hate for someone to write a life story, my life story that would be heard for decades and decades and centuries later and, you know, expect everybody to look at me fairly. You know, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm just like them. I'm, Christ has told, had to tell me things several times over before I got it, if I even got it. But I do know that Jesus, it seems like sometimes he got a little frustrated with him because he said, how long have you been with me and you still don't understand? Oh, yeah. I'm sure Christ gets frustrated with me because I've been in church all my life. Yeah. <laughs> but I still mess things up. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, it's just, we're flesh too, right? I mean, we're not all nice. Yeah. So we also should be a little bit more genteel on new people in the church then. Well, what people don't. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, well, genteel, gen genteel. I have to be genteel. Well, I mean, like they're they're just now learning the stuff. That I've been part of churches where the minute you get saved, you're supposed to be saved and sanctified and already got all your T's crossed and your I's dotted. Yeah, okay. I mean, come on. Okay, I'll, I'll give it to you. I just wonder. You know, the, I know. She, oh, okay. I mean, I've been in this all my life. They were new. You know, the point is, we're supposed to help get people in, get them saved, and then God cleans them up. Yeah. They're not cleaned up when they get saved. No. They, it takes, as long as they use the same soap as I do, otherwise they're not Christians. Yeah. Well, well, that was a little fussy. <laughs> Mr. Pharisee. Oh, oh, was that sarcastic? Oh, oh, okay, okay. Sarcasm. I use body wash. Thank you very much. Oh, thank goodness. So... Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. She was really persuasive and everybody took her seriously. He told him everything, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days and because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. So they're not just taking it on faith for her. They, they, they're corroborating what she told them. So, and they converted. So in two days, we've got 13 men working this little town and they, they, they convert. You look like the cat that just swallowed the canary, and you're you're, you're holding it back, whatever it is. Says about that, she's typical man. She's the one that leads the message first, and they're taking credit. Oh, right. Oh. 
So you had to you had to say your wife's line that was going on in your head. Yeah. I write that when she goes. That happens. She's the one that started the third tank. They're of course now the deacons, and she's supposed to work in the kitchen. That's 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 the same way with the workplace. I mean, I've come up with several solutions that work to work and. And uh, big shots take the credit like they did it. They come to me and they want the answers. I give them the answers, figure out the problem, and then they go and say, look what I did. It's just, you know, it's just the same way you... I just, I just think she gets a little dissed here. Oh, you believe because you know, she's a bus. And she, she started it. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, don't, I don't read that that way. Well, I, I'm taking it more from my wife. Oh, I see, I see. I had this conversation yesterday in all of my bizarre conversations yesterday. There, there is a point with a growing teenager where your faith is derivative of your parents' faith because you're raised in church, you're learning about your faith, and you, you, you believe these things not so much because you've studied and decided that that's what's true. It's because someone told you that's what's true. And you trust those people that told you. Mm -hmm. And that's fair. And that's how we you know, learn a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And then there's this point where you walk away from mom and dad. And in my case move to Austin <coughs> into Doby Center dorms. And suddenly I'm surrounded by pagans and people from Asia and atheists and hippies and people that have marijuana in their in their rooms. Yeah, oh yeah, and Asians, yes, yes. That is an accurate description of Dobie Mall in 1984. Anyway, um, and suddenly people are going, well, wh wh why do you believe that? And I, my answer was, uh, and I really couldn't answer and the question. Yourself, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And thought about it. You know, I, I could, it didn't really, really, it didn't really count when I said, because that's what mommy said, because that doesn't carry weight anymore, you know. And so I really had an interesting, uh, God kind of took me through this period of growth while I was at college studying, because not only was I studying my subject matter, I was trying to defend myself against my new friends. You know, and, and kind of figure out why I did believe that, you know, and, and my, my faith didn't shift a little, if, if really, you know, I was still very much saved, but uh, I think my, my understanding of God's grace matured. It's where the details make sense. Yeah, a little bit. I get a lot of parents that come to me in, in my therapy program. My child doesn't want to go to church with me in high school, and my college kids, not, not child, not really, but. Uh huh. And I mean, he's going to pray. I mean, he's concerned, but I also tell him there's a little bit of normalcy about that. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're exploring. I said, actually, they might come out stronger if you handle it. The more you force it, the more they're going to resist. Yeah. And actually, I'm dealing with a, a teenager now in college because my mom was concerned about it. And she's went on out to college now. And she, she, I, I do Zoom sessions with her. And I told mom, take her, pray mm -hmm. her, be there, love her, and sure. And, oh, no, I've got it. And she was forced to making the girl go farther away from her. Finally, the mom listened to me in the Zoom session a week ago. The girl said, I'm going back to church. Yeah. And I, and I love going back to the mom saying, and, and it, it, it's, 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 it, it's, a, it's, 
at school and nobody was watching, I dropped out of church for about two months and it was weird. I felt strange, I, you know. And, uh, and so I visited churches I didn't really like and Jester, Austin, it was strange. You would walk out Sunday morning and there would be 15 church vans all parked in front of the dormitory because they all want the college crowd. And you can pick which one. And, and students totally abused that. And I had a, I had a, a Korean slash Hawaiian uh, friend who, who would say, oh, oh, the churches, well, which one did you go to? And I said, Baptist. And he goes, oh, donuts. Because he would pick... He would pick the van that had the best lunch, you know, and, and go with them. And uh, I started jumping in church vans. And uh, I, I visited all these different denominations that, you know, had been preached into hell when I was growing up and decided that maybe they weren't so bad after all. You know, I, I disagree with the point or two here, but I'm not going to condemn the entire Catholic faith on a couple of points. And, uh, you know, I met a, a Catholic priest that I'm absolutely convinced is genuinely born again. He just wasn't putting in this, exactly the same phraseology that, that, that I was using. And, uh, you know, very genuine Christian people. And I took a much more uh, broader, dare I use the word, Catholic view of things. You know, it's more universal. Uh, anyway, uh, I kind of changed the way I was looking at things, and, and, and my faith became my own, and so I've gone a long way to make this point. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said, we have heard for ourselves, and we know this man is really the savior of the world. They internalized this on their own. I think it's kind of a compliment to yeah, them. I, I'll jump in okay, fair enough. But I, I think you come out stronger because if that's the way you approached it. I agree. Because... How many, I mean, my, my mom went into labor with me at church, and I've been there ever since. And That's a good story right there. I, I thought I had a good story, and that one's better. coming! That's better. I thought she was about the rapture. No, I was coming. My story is I was born in Austin, and my father, the Southern Baptist music minister, put me in a tie in, in the hospital and took me to church before I went home. Oh, wow. That's, that's hardcore. I, was, I went straight to church dressed in a suit as a newborn. Because I can preach this by myself because that's my story. I, yeah, I grew up yeah. in church. I think sometimes we do a disservice to many of our children, and I'm not against this of saying you're believing this because I believe this and you're, I'm not exposing you to anything else. There's, you know, but sometimes we don't really make them strong enough to do when they go out on their own to when someone questions them. Well, why do you believe that? Well, because that's what mom and dad told me to do. Yeah. That's a weak argument. Mm. And that, I, the, I used to work high alpha. So right. I, I, I saw the kids who were not, who were only told to believe, believe this because I told you to believe this. They're the ones that typically went away from the church and stayed away. Yeah. Ones that, let me explore this for myself. Came out stronger. Came out stronger for the Lord because they worked out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Mm -hmm. Damn. Uh, anyway, I'm tempted to chase rabbits, so I'm not going to. Uh, we've got a little more.
child. They accomplished their goal and headed out after that. Yes. And so they stayed there two days and uh, converted the town, and then they moved on. So verse 43, uh, finishing up chapter 4. After the two days, he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, for they also had been there. Okay, I'm going to stop here. I usually read the whole passage, but doesn't those, doesn't those the two sentences seem to contrast against each other? Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country, meaning uh, they know you really, really well in your own hometown, and they don't think that you're going to be a big preacher because they remember you when you were 10. Yes, like nobody that knew me when I was in 17 in high school are going to ever take me seriously now. You know, it's like that. I'm sorry, I just came back from a reunion. I don't know if you caught that part when I was, anyway. Um, I met a preacher who, who was part of my class, class and uh, he was not, let's just say he wasn't preacher material in high school. I have a really hard time swallowing that he's a preacher now. I'm still having trouble with it, you know, because. Oh, so you're going to leave. Oh, no, I do. I do. The juxtaposition of the picture of him now and then is, is really quite profound. So I, I you know, I, uh, good, good for God. I'm just trying to get my head around it. Just trying to get my head around it. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, some, they, um, you know, pe people have a hard time embracing, you know, uh, uh, folks from hometown. They remember you before, and so it's hard to change your mind. Or they just don't. Sure, and people's kind of stereotypical image of you lock in, and they expect you to behave that way. There's a whole educational course on this. I graduated from Bible College. I had a choice to go be youth pastor in Carrollton or a kids pastor at my church I grew up in since I was seven years old. Yeah, would have been more money, but I took the Carrollton one. Sure, yeah, absolutely. All the deacons taught me in Sunday school. Uh huh. They they never take you seriously. Uh, yeah, and so uh, no honor his own country. However, when he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. Now, it, John just said that they don't honor him, but now they're welcoming, welcoming him. What is John saying? Okay, hit me. I know oh, no, you, I gotta, I know I you got it. I got to study. Thank tell you. me, preacher. Tell me, preacher. The welcome of the Galileans actually was a kind of rejection, for they were interested only in his miracles. There you go. I knew he'd find that reference somewhere. They were not welcoming the Messiah who could save them, but only a miracle worker who could amaze them. Right. I, I'm reading that for once. They were looking for the show. Yeah. And uh, they had heard that he, uh, see, they were, they're just down the road from uh, Cana, which is up the hill a little bit. Right. Yeah, and, and they had a whole lot of wine left over after that wedding. And they, you know they some of them got some of it. So, yes. And so Jesus made the wine, did he? So uh, they're, they're, they're coming to find out what the new event is going to be. They're, they're interested in, in, in the show. Not that they're embracing his message. They want to see what's going to happen. But, you know, I'm going to tell you this story. Okay. I uh, was a... Uh, sectional youth leader and the youth leader at the church we were, we started in Lola's storefront. And I was gonna have a, I felt led to have a service on a Friday night. And then I wanted to have, you know, music and everything. So trying to find all that together, I found a, a, a band that was, they were Baptist uh, and they were really good. 
But the problem is, is that afterwards they lit up their cigarettes <gasps> after the service over with, and everybody was really, you know, down on my case a little bit because, you, you know, it's like, but they they did the service. I mean, they were they were anointed. They were singing. I mean, they. But everybody just kind of like forgot all that when they saw like cigarettes. I mean. You know, I mean, it's just, I just brought that up because I, I just, you know, I, that's always been a confused. Like, I went to Mississippi. My cousin, he's a Methodist. He's a circuit rider. He's a Methodist preacher, but he's a circuit rider. And I, I don't know if y'all know what a circuit rider is. So we, we, we know what a circuit rider is. Do you know what a circuit rider is? It's where he had to pastor like three different churches in three different towns. That's kind of how they do that. He, like Sunday here, Sunday night here, and oh, Wednesday. The so Wesleyan way. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. when I stepped out after the service over, all the men were on the front porch smoking cigarettes. You know, yeah. it's like, so I've always been curious, you know. I mean, the, these people are saved. Do the cigarettes make them not saved? I mean. When did cigarettes become a sin? Well, that's. I'm, 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 I know, I know. America was founded on tobacco growth. So, tobacco or liquor. But what I'm saying is, it can, it's can, it's can. Was it the nineties? Is that when it is? Okay. But it's confusing because everybody all of a sudden, you know, cringes and thinks that the world's going to end because these people are supposed to. The Moody Spurgeon story. Do tell. Moody, they meet up at a at a lodge or something. I can't. I may be getting the place wrong. Think it was Spurgeon had the cigar, Moody had the glass of brandy, and one of them goes, "Well, when are you going to quit smoking? Well, when are you going to quit taking brandy?" <laughs> <laughs> and they go, "Never mind." And then, <laughs> so it's like, I think we're all going to get surprised when we get there. Amen, brother. Amen, but, but brother. you know, you know what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, it's like I had that service. It was a wonderful service. The music was good and everything. I preached, the, you know, I preached and everything. And it was a really good service. I mean, God moved and everything, but then afterwards it was spirit like... God. It's the Spirit of God, man. It's, got, it's, it's where it all comes down to. It's a lot, but at the end, everybody forgot about the service and how good it was, you know. You can preach about the cigarette. As long as, long as you didn't light up. No. But if cigarettes and, and, and alcohol will keep people from that, what about our gossip? You know, churches have... We preach against cigarettes and, and drinking, but, man, we have a problem with gossip. Yeah. When the Spirit blocked that just as much... I think I actually I think I like the way Rick Warren said it. He didn't put anything in his membership requirement like can't go to movie, can't smoke, can't. He didn't put the only rule he put in there. I will not gossip because he said people going to movies, lighting up a cigarette, or drinking a glass of wine will not split my church. A gossip will split my church. Yeah, that's the only thing he would only put in his membership. Well, that's what that's what happened here. His mother, the pastor's mother, she was known as a church wrecker. Okay, I know you know what that is. Oh, and wherever she went, she wherever she went, she almost destroyed a church, and that's what finally happened here. Because I was doing so much in the church, people started thinking I was the pastor because I was the sectional youth leader, I was the local youth leader of the church. I filled in for the pastor, I cleaned the church, made sure that Aaron Heat was on. I was doing all of that, and he worked for UPS, so there was a lot of times he couldn't even be there, you know, on Wednesday night. So when people started looking at me as the pastor. You know, new people coming in. I was having to explain I wasn't the pastor, but she got jealous and destroyed the whole church. But yeah. I think the Galileans here were—they <clears throat> were just miracle followers. Well, they weren't followers because they weren't traveling. But you know what I'm saying? They were just, like you said, they were just in for the show. Yep. 
Okay. We really chased that rabbit. 46, once more he visited Cana in Galilee. So he went up the hill to Cana, which is where Cana is, which is where he went to that wedding and they had all that wine. Where he had turned the water into wine, says John, to make sure that you know where the town it is. There was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. Uh, I looked up royal official, and the most likely interpretation of that is that he is an administrator in Herod's court, which was kind of, it was the Jewish control, but Herod was kind of on the pagan side. They kind of saw them kind of like the Romans. Uh, So he is a royal official, and his son is sick down in the town below Cana. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Unless the people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you will never believe. And the royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Uh, Jesus replied, you may go, your son will live. And this man, at that, nods his head and walks away. Uh, The man took Jesus at his word and departed. Uh, Verse 51, while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to your son, uh, your son will live. Uh, So he and all his household believed. So they converted to Christ's teaching, an official in Herod's court. Which is all kinds of subtext later when you know that there is a converted believer in Herod's court. This was the second miraculous sign because John is checking off these seven signs in order to put together this book. He's not following every last uh, event. Yeah, he's, he's pointing out important things. And it's stuff that he saw and was there for, and we've covered that. This was the second miraculous sign, the first one being the wedding of Cana that Jesus performed having come from Judah, Judea to Galilee. And I really feel like the official of Herod's court is the, the biggest uh, takeaway from this because that's kind of setting a foundation for what's going to happen later in the book when Herod uh, you know, moves against well, Christ. This, this is a powerful chapter because you're going from whatever we say she was, Yes. Samaritan or unwind, an official in Herod's court, which is probably an unpopular figure himself. Right. The next chapter, I don't want to get ahead of you, but a person who has been uh, 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 the healing of Bethesda. Yes. Uh, all his life, Jesus is going to the people no one else is paying attention to. Right. No That's a powerful message. And John points out that no prophet is recognized in his own country. The good Jewish folks of Capernaum are not responding because they know him they're, 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 it, it, that, that's not who's responding it's, it's the Romans and it's the half pagan Jewish Herodians who, who are there it's, it's the, the, the broken it's the sinful it's the, yeah, the least of it you know, the Samaritans it's like the centurion that came to him and uh, said you know, I'm not, I want you to heal my servant but I don't want you to come because I'm not worthy because I, I control men and say you go here and you go there. Yeah. 
And Which the, is very similar to this story. Yeah. The power of the gospel. Yeah. And that's what the difference between the, the, the Galileans and the man, because they were just, we want the circus. Yeah. This man's gone, my son's got it, and I've heard you are a great man. You can do this. And he says, You're, you know, go. Okay. It's powerful. It's powerful. Just preach. Just preach. They, they were full of prejudice and pride and everything else. And, you know that's. I think that's why they just they rejected him. They didn't. They didn't want to believe. Came for the whole world. And that is all I've got. Really? Thank you. Man. That's so nice. Power. Okay, I'm going to turn this off. <laughs> I am signing off everybody that's listening online, all two of you.